might need some water here. Water's missing today. Okay. Thank you for gathering in. Could we all stand for prayer before we start? Our Father, we thank you for your abiding presence that is with us day by day. Thank you for enlightening our eyes and thank you for giving us this privilege to sit at your feet and listen, have the word of God so pure, so holy, just continue to open before us. Help us these days to choose the right. Help us to choose the best. Help us to make decisions that will help us in our journey of life. We ask, Lord, that you would also be with our parents at home. Lord, you know all the parents of the youth that are here. We ask that you'd give each one of them a sensitive and open heart so that when the youth return home and they share the things that you've been speaking to them about, there can be a uniting of hearts and there can be a drawing uh, together and Lord, I ask that you'd give me uh, a burden, thought, ability to communicate things you've shared with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated. I'd like to, this afternoon, <clears throat> speak about Barnabas. Uh, I... Uh, Thank you very much. I enjoy looking at the at Brother Barnabas <clears throat> read through the book of Acts and look at the various things that uh, that he did and the inspiration that he was. I I sometimes uh, wonder what our view is of some of these biblical characters because we lift them up as men of God, and sometimes we have the view that it's hard for us to attain to. Uh, do, you, uh, do you follow what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes we lift up these Bible heroes, men of God, men that we know walk with God, and it's hard for us to just grasp a hold that we can be that too. I like to just encourage us with the idea that every one of us here can be men of God, just like the Bible characters that were mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the same as Barnabas, same as Mary, the mother of Jesus. Every one of us can attain to a walk with God just like them because they were not perfect people. Uh, an example of that is even Samson, with all the failures that Samson had, is in the book of, of Hebrews, chapter 11, as a man of faith. And I've scratched my head at that. Scratched my head and said, you mean Samson is in Hebrews, chapter 11? Well, he was a man of faith. But look at his life. Half of his life seemed to be a wreck. Um, I'd like to just suggest to you that godliness can be attained 
and godliness comes by the decisions that you and I make to day by day walk with God and we can attain to that. It's not somewhere out there that's unattainable. Okay, concerning Barnabas, I like to start by saying that there are simply two areas that that we like to look at with Barnabas this morning, or this afternoon, two areas, and one is in the way that he responded to some of the possessions that God gave to him. That's one. And number two, we also want to look at uh, how Barnabas related to Paul, being Paul senior, and then at a later point, Paul becoming his senior. I'd like to look at those uh, two aspects in Barnabas' life. <clears throat> so if you want to turn with me for an opening scripture to the book of Acts in chapter 4, we want to look at a couple verses here. Acts chapter 4, and we're going to um, read where Barnabas is first mentioned in scripture, uh, Acts chapter 4, we're going to read in verse 36, and then the context of, this, of these verses is when people were coming to, uh, to repentance, people were turning to God, there was salvation coming, uh, there was a, people everywhere were uh, sharing their goods with one another, and right in the middle of this, right after these verses that we're going to read, is the account about Ananias and Sapphira. And Ananias and Sapphira, you know the story of what happened there, but this, these two verses that talk about Barnabas is just before that. We'll read. <clears throat> Verse 36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, Barnabas was from the country of Cyprus, and Cyprus was an island out on the Mediterranean Sea. It was out a distance, maybe, um, maybe about 100 miles, from mainland uh, of Israel out into the Mediterranean Sea was this island of Cyprus. And that's where Barnabas uh, grew up. That was his homeland. But obviously he was, he was here in Israel. He was here in Jerusalem spending time with the apostles. And it says he was a Levite. He was a Jew and he was a Levite. He was one of those that, um, that was chosen to, uh, to do the work in, in the temple. <clears throat> but here it says that he, having land, sold it and brought it to, brought the money to the apostles. Now it doesn't give much detail about it. But obviously it appears like Barnabas uh, had more than enough. You know how it is for for us now granted you're you're still a youth 
and, and you're not 40 years old yet or maybe 60 years old, who after having some time, you've, you, know, you haven't accumulated that kind of wealth. <clears throat> but Barnabas was one of those who it seems like with some time, he had accumulated some wealth and maybe bought more land than what he needed to live on. Uh, and he had made that purchase and he had it. And so when this revival was going on, and there was a teaching that, that there should be a sharing together, guess what he did? He came, sold the land, doesn't give the details, but he sold the land, and he brought the money. I have a wallet with a little bit of money in and some credit cards, okay? But he came, and he laid it at the apostles' feet laid it there. In other words, he just simply put it there and he said, you all take care of it. Now, right on the heels of this, of this situation, Ananias and Sapphira did the same thing. And the interesting thing is that here, Barnabas, and I assume his wife was along, it doesn't say that, but I assume him and his wife, when they came and they brought it, he obviously had a pure heart because there was no judgment given. It was obviously a great thing to do because as he did that, there was a blessing. But when Ananias and Sapphira did it, you know what happened? He literally fell over dead, and that's hard for me to believe. I can't fathom Ananias, or Ananias and Sapphira uh, how they, you know, you know, in the middle of a big group, they came and laid their money down, and Paul asked them some questions. Well, no, it was Peter. It wasn't Paul, it was Peter. Peter asked them if this is what they received, and they said yes, and he literally fell over dead. I can't fathom that, but that happened. And it was because of the, it was because of the judgment of God came because they were not honest in their hearts. Now consider, obviously Barnabas was an honest man with the possessions he had, he was willing to just open up and be totally transparent and honest and say, this is what I have, I'm willing to just lay it down. Uh, you, you apostles, you do with it whatever you want. This is where things are. Ananias and Sapphira did not do that, they hid and they lied to the Holy Ghost, lied to Paul or to Peter. They lied, they were judged for it. But and I or uh, Barnabas was simply an honest man. Honest. Honest, upright man. And I know, y'all, there was a, a subject earlier this week about finances, and I don't know what all was shared there. Okay? I don't know what all was shared, but as I was prepared and looking at the, uh, the things that, that Barnabas did in this area of finances and possessions, there's various things that it seemed like the Lord was saying, you need to share some of these things. <clears throat> I'd like to, first of all, 
And considering that, I'd like to look at how God deals with our heart at times. You know the story about the rich young ruler that came to Jesus said, what, what must I do to say or, you know, what like I yet? You know, what am I still lacking in my life? Richard, a young ruler, really wanted to know. And when he came to Jesus like that, Jesus looked at him and he loved him and this is what he said. He said, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me. Now, I've looked at those verses and I've said, why did he do that? You know, if you read through the rest of Scripture, uh, uh, very few people were asked to sell all that they have. There's different ones that said, We've left all, and yet they still had a boat to go fishing. Um, but here, here he was. He said, uh, "What lack I yet?" Now, I like to suggest to you that in this in this story, um, Jesus saw that this rich young uh, ruler had a lot of money, and he had a covetous heart. And so God looks into the heart, and he looks at the very needs that we have. And your need might be different than mine, and my need might be different than yours. But when God starts dealing with the heart, he looks at the root issues, and he deals with that. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, when God sees that heart, he says, how can I get down to the heart? Now, Jesus could have told this rich young ruler, he could have said, uh, I want you to go and fast and ask God to get rid of that covetousness. Right? Yeah, maybe we do that. No. Go home and fast. He, or he could have told him, now, I want you to go home and, and sell that, that donkey. You've got two donkeys, sell a second donkey. And just get rid of it. But he didn't. Why didn't he do that? Because Jesus knew that that wouldn't take care of the issue. He knew that the issue was deeper than that. He knew that just by getting rid of one or two things, or asking him to just you know, put all his money out that he has, he knew that that wouldn't be enough. He could have also, he could have also told him, um, to go sell the extra land like Barnabas did. Barnabas sold the extra land, and God was pleased with that. But not in this case. In this case, Jesus told this rich young man, he said, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. Now, I'd like to suggest that there are situations in our life when God will put his finger on an area, or on a bigger portion of our life, and he'll say, I want you to just give it up. I want you to just give it up. I want you to surrender it. See, when Jesus put his finger on everything, the rich young ruler wasn't willing to do 
knew that that's what it would take because he wasn't willing to surrender. He would have been willing to give some money. He would have been willing to give a donkey. He would have been willing to sell that other extra plot of land, but he was not willing Some uh, years back, years back, I have a little bit. We packed her better friend, and it's been gone for how uh, maybe or so. We packed her in here, sort of gone years ago. Guess what? About seven. Like if the doors close at that point, that God's sake, 
to be uh, 
five years old, then I can uh, go into retirement. And once I'm old enough to be uh, uh, to not be able to take care of myself, then I'll be taken to the nursing home. And I need money to pay for that too. And not only that, there is a, a mentality that says that the children don't have any responsibility with their parents in, on a financial level. Um, parents, it's their thing, and you know, everyone is, is on their own. There's a mentality floating around in the world that says that. And yet, God's way is very, very different than that. In God's economy, we're here to help each other and to share, right? We're here to share. Just recently, there's a family in our fellowship whose house burned down. Unfortunately, they were just between moving, they just moved into the new property, um, uh, the insurance and all that stuff wasn't all in place yet. House burned down.
Timothy chapter 5, verse 3. This is what it says. Honor widows that are widows indeed. Now a widow indeed is a widow that doesn't have a husband and she doesn't have children and she doesn't have nephews. That's a widow indeed. But if any widow, but if any widow has children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents for that is good and acceptable before God. In these verses, there's very clear instruction that if there's a widow, then it's the children's responsibility to care for her. And if it's not the children, it doesn't have children, then it's the nephew. And so these things are spread out, and it's our responsibility to care for our parents. There was a day when our parents took care of us, right? loving, caring attitude in the church, one for another, that uh, if there was a need for a pickup, now they didn't have pickups back there, but if there's a need for a pickup, they just pick up the phone and say, hey, can I use your pickup? The other one says, sure, no problem. See, today, I've got all my stuff, and you've got all your stuff, and, and you know, there's very, it seems like there's very little sharing among the church people in many areas. Now, uh, you know, it varies a lot from setting to setting. I would like to suggest to you that it's the will of God that, that, that the things that I have, uh, you can use too. Okay? That's what I tell the brothers at home. Now, I say that carefully because it'd be nice if, if, if it's in good repair when it comes back. But, uh, but consider with me, some of those things I feel are falling by the wayside. 
And if you look at what was happening there with Barnabas, his possessions were being put out there. And there was a sharing and a caring. And if, if you had a need, I'm sharing with you. And if I had a need, you know, there's a sharing. And we don't all need items that we use once a year. <laughs> you know, we don't. You know, at home there's these lawn rollers. And, you know, some of these lawn rollers go way around the circle till they come back again in the spring. Uh, or, you know, if there's a need for a skid loader, you know, the skid loader sort of moves around the you know, church for a while, you know. Oh, that's brotherhood. I like to just suggest that that's what was really going on with Barnabas. Yes, he sold and he brought money, but there was a distributing, there was a caring, there was a sharing, and, and you know, for you sisters, I don't know how close you live to other church ladies, but it's okay to call up that other sister and say, hey, uh, I'm one cup short of flour. Could I have some flour? Uh, you know, and, and you know, I, hey, I'm, I'm a little bit short in butter. and You know, there's this sharing, right? You know, it's not just the guys. It's for all of us. There's this sharing. There's this community working together. We all have our own possessions, but it's not just our possessions. There is a sharing one with another. I'd like to lift that up. That's what they did in the early church. And they had all things common. I don't believe, as I look at Scripture, I don't believe that they had one money bag for everything. Nowhere do you see that. But there was this, I have a need that needs be met. Um, you know, there's, you know, I have more so I can share with you, and, and over there you have more and you can share with me. I like to lift that up. That is what we had in the early church. <clears throat> uh, my wife is now, she, by the way, Friday night late to be here. She's using someone else's van, because our van is here already, okay? You'll use someone else's van. Guess what? People that are using your van, I know them well enough to say that they won't be saying, well, you, you know, you drove uh, 900 miles, and that'll be 50 cents a mile. Guess what? That's what they're going to say every day. Well, the van's Full. If you took it full, you bring it back full. I'm happy with that. Okay? I'm not saying we should never charge for anything. Uh, uh, but do you get the point? Uh, it seems like we're way too stingy. You know, we have to get, you know, you know we have to, you know, if, if we loan things out, we have to get in return. It's God's way is to just open up. Now, I say that carefully. Because there are people who have a reputation that when they borrow things, it always comes back broke. God forbid. We're using it. We have a responsibility when it's in our possession to, to make that it gets back to the owner the way it came. <clears throat> Here's another thing that I like to just consider. And by the way, 
I believe that these are the principles that Barnabas walked in. As I, as I look through that New Testament age and the way Barnabas responded, it seemed like that's how he was responding. But here's, a, here's another thing I'd like to just for us to consider. Seems like in our age, in our day, <clears throat> there is um, a lot of flaunting money on toys and pleasures. There's more and more people that open their wallet and they spend a lot of money using their credit cards on toys and pleasures. What do I mean by that? I wonder what's going through your mind. Okay? Pleasures. I'd like to just say, uh, start out by saying that I'm one of those that enjoys going on a vacation. And sometimes just with my family, just getting away and being refreshed in the Lord and spending time with my family, you know, renewing our, our, our relationships together. I like to say that that's right and that's good. But I'd also like to say that there is a move among many people, and I'm going to say in our circles, there's a move of going into exotic vacations and cruises and that type of frivolous pleasure that is more of a pleasure than it is a getting away and having some quiet time. Okay, do you follow what I'm saying? And I'm not here that, uh, and I don't think I need to mention where all those lines are. But I like to bring it up to make us all aware that those things are happening. And as I look at Barnabas and his attitude and toward giving and finances, I couldn't see Barnabas doing some of that stuff. I couldn't see Barnabas doing that. Because this is God's money. And if this is God's money, I need to use it in a way that's pleasing to him. And some of those things is more pleasurable for ourselves rather than something that will bless us and help us spiritually in this journey of life. I'd like to just lift that up to make us aware of that. Not only that, I'd like to also suggest that there's things that maybe sometimes we buy. Young men, young ladies, maybe the young men do more of it, right? Maybe the young men do more of it. Uh, buy some expensive toys. I don't know if I should name them or not. But consider with me, okay? Are there things that we can have and have a nice little time with? But then there are things that, that young men are buying that are pretty costly. You know, you know what I'm talking about. That are, that are pretty costly, and we're blowing money and spending money, and there's no real value to it. And I wonder whether Barnabas would have done that. 
Do you think he would have? Do you think our brother Barnabas would have done that? I would question that. Here are some more things. <clears throat> there are those that spend a lot of money on expensive cars. And again, boys, girls, probably boys, huh? Probably boys, huh? Uh, spend money on expensive cars. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to buy a good car, a car that'll serve you for a long time. But I would like to suggest that there are certain cars that are more the elite cars, more the status symbol cars. You know what I mean? Okay? And if I drive that kind of car, I'm known as, you know, that, that's it. I like to suggest that that is a waste of money and it's not pleasing to God and Barnabas would not have done that. That's not the heart and attitude that Barnabas had when he brought his money and laid it at the apostles' feet. It's a totally different attitude and spirit. Now, buy a car or a truck. And if there's a need for a car or a truck, that'll, they'll just keep running because you're doing something every day, every day. That's okay. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making purchases for items that are way up here in the elite and, and that are beyond what is the norm because it looks good and it, it's, it's a status. Not only that, what about designer jeans, designer, you know, all that designer stuff? But again, it's hard to buy pants, shirts at a good price that'll last good. But I like to for us to consider a lot of that stuff is designer fad stuff. Be careful. I don't think that's where Barnabas would have gone when Barnabas came and laid his, his money for that land at the apostles' feet and the heart and attitude that he had when he laid that down there. I don't think he would have done that. Not only that, it, it goes to the houses that we buy. Maybe not even as much buying as that we build. You know, there's some that have the ability because they've been in construction and they've built a lot of nice houses and they've gotten to the place where, where it's good, uh, you know, where they have good taste and they know what people like. And so there is uh, there's a taste for elaborate houses and all these corners and all the all the beauty and all decked out. I like to just ask a question. What in the house do you think Barnabas would have purchased for him and his wife when they were married? My wife and I, we built a house about maybe 12 years ago now. When we did that, we talked about it. We purposefully talked about it. We made a decision that the house that we build, we want a good, nice, serviceable house. We want to make sure that when people walk in our house, they won't be going, 
Wow. Wow. Rather, they say, oh, this is a nice serviceable house. Did you know there's a difference with that? There is a specific difference with that. And those things are done by choice and not just by allowing our, our desires to just unfold just how we like and just, just the things that we naturally desire just walk after. Those. those are purposeful decisions that we make. And it's the, the heart that Barnabas had when he came and he put that money at the disciples' feet. And he said, here it is. You go and distribute it. And he didn't give everything that he had, but he sold lands and brought it. And what he had, I'm sure, was not excessive, but it was within reason. <clears throat> wow. I'd like to just, in the next couple minutes here, Shift a little bit in the direction. That was the one aspect that really stood out with Barnabas. And here's the other aspect. The other aspect that stands out with Barnabas is the aspect of his ability to work with Paul. Now consider with me, uh, Paul was in Jerusalem, and it said that he was breathing out threatenings, and he, was, uh, he, he went to the high priest and he asked permission. He said, I'm going to go to Damascus, and as I go, I'd like to have permission that any Christian, any Christian that, uh, uh, that I meet, I'd like to be able to bring him back and put him in prison. And there was such a vehement desire to just punish the Christians and get rid of them and, and just, just annihilate them. <clears throat> On his way, you know the story. God falls to the ground, there's a light from heaven, he was blinded, and, and in his blind condition, he goes into Damascus. There Ananias goes and lays his hands on him and says, Brother Saul, uh, your eyes are open, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he got converted right there. Well, what, what a man. Here there's all these Christians scattered through Damascus, through Jerusalem, and all the outer lying places. And because of Paul's vehemence and his determination, everyone knew about Saul. Everyone knew about Saul. Everyone did. And he had a reputation. Well, he was a changed man. So, wasn't long there in Damascus. He was he went to the synagogue and says that he was persuading the people about God and he was uh, convincing them that Jesus was the Christ very, very strongly. And then because of his strong, intense uh, teaching, guess what he did? He, he got himself into trouble. They had to let him down a basket outside Damascus' wall and he heads for Jerusalem. When he comes to Jerusalem, he comes in there, and they reject him. They say, we don't want anything to do with you. 
Yes, he comes with his Yes, who does? Barnabas. Barnabas comes alongside Paul and he says, Brother, come over here. Brother, come over here. He says, This is a changed man. And it was Barnabas that took Saul and brought him. And he explained everything that had happened. And he said, He's a good brother. That was Barnabas. Now, let me take you a step farther. <clears throat> uh, shortly, shortly after that, uh, Barnabas goes to um, Paul. Or Paul, Paul went to uh, there's two cities that were about. Uh, a uh, hundred miles apart. Can you help me with that? Um, I don't have it on the tip of my tongue, but I'll just tell you a story. Uh, they were at Antioch. Okay. Uh, Barnabas went to Antioch because there was a little church started there. And it wasn't very long Till, uh, till the church was really growing, Barnabas saw that he had a need of having Paul's And so he went to Tarsus. He went to Tarsus, and he said, uh, which was 100 miles away, and he said, would you come and help me here in the work? And so Barnabas was the senior. <clears throat> Barnabas was the senior, and he was the one leading out in the work here at Antioch. And as he was going, he had Paul come, and they worked together for three years. They worked and they labored together. And as they did that, uh, and, and as they shared together, uh, the whole church, as they fasted, the whole church said, Paul and Barnabas, we want to send you out on this missionary journey. And so they went. Now, an interesting thing happens on this journey. If you look through the book of Acts, uh, there's about four or five times from that point on when they started on their journey, and even at Antioch, it would always say Barnabas and Paul. And then when it mentioned them again, it would say Barnabas and Paul. Then it would mention them again, it would say Barnabas and Paul. Then it would mention them again, it would say Barnabas and Paul. And halfway through that missionary journey, something happened. And you look at all the rest of the references that refer to Barnabas and Saul, and it's reversed. From there on out, it says, Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. And I like to suggest that Barnabas was the senior leader for a long time. And he was the senior. But there came a day when Barnabas recognized that in this work that we're doing, that Paul has abilities and Paul has gifts that way outshine mine, and they switched roles. I don't know how that happened. 
It doesn't even say that they talked about it. But you read through there. There is a switch. And I like to suggest that Barnabas was one of those men, you know, he brought him to the Jews there in Jerusalem and said, here he is. He's a good man. And he, he was his senior. He was converted longer. He was, uh, he was a leader longer. And yet there came a day when he, his attitude, when he changed and said, you're the one that's and he didn't resist that. We have that little incident where there was a disconnect. <clears throat> but very clearly, there was zero resistance to this change and this, this switch that happened. I like to suggest that we need to follow the heart attitude that Barnabas had. In Philippians Chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness let of mind let each esteem the other better than himself. Now, brothers, I'm going to ask you first. Could you honestly say that all the brothers, all your peers in church, that you actually higher than Now, what about you, sisters? Could you honestly say that as a little bit more spiritual than a little bit more than yourself? Could you? You know, you don't have to say it out loud, but consider that. I'd like to suggest that Barnabas came from a place where he He was the senior. He was the leader longer. He was, that bro he was the one that brought Paul along. He was the one that said, Paul, you come over here to Antioch and help me. But there was a day when he went, yes, Paul, I'm a senior higher than myself. I like to just honestly admit that I struggle with that. Many times I come before God and say, God, my brother, I actually feel like I could be better than you. But I know that I'm not. The scripture says I'm not. I want to humble myself. You know all the clashes and all the struggles that come in church life. They come because of pride. like to suggest that we need to have the heart that Barnabas very quickly <clears throat> Barnabas was one that moved to a more quiet position and let someone else I would like to just tell you that I know of a lady who without anyone else in the church knew anything about 
quietly went to this elderly couple and became friends with that elderly couple. He would go to this elderly couple. They couldn't get out very well anymore. He would go take them to the grocery store and help them buy some groceries. He would go and Sometimes if they were too feeble, they couldn't come to church anymore, guess what she did? She came and got some food from fellowship meal. She took it over to the family, to this couple. She heard, she'd call him up, talk with him. She became best friends with him. Whenever anything special was going, she'd go over and make sure they had a ride to get other people, no one knew the things that were happening. She was quietly going to the Lord. <clears throat> I know men, I know men who quietly have their little responsibilities. I know men that I know that I can depend on. When there's weeks like this week, they tell me, if you have stuff gone you want me to pray about, I want you to call me. Call me and I'll pray for you. Okay? I don't have many men like that. But I have a couple. And they come and tell me. And no one else knows. Okay? Okay, no one else knows. But I know if I want someone to pray, that's who I call. And I can depend on it that they're going to pray. And the reason I know is because afterward they say, this is what I was praying. How did it go? I want to know because I prayed about those things. Okay? I like to suggest that there are many, many small things like that that in a quiet way you use can give yourself to and be unnoticed. And as you serve and as you give, the Lord sees those things, and the Lord will bless that. He will multiply it, and he will bring other things to pass. I'd like to just encourage you, there's many, many, many areas like that that you can give yourself. <clears throat> I know certain ones that no one else knows but regularly they will write to certain missionaries. They'll write all the home news, all the things that are happening in the home church, all the things that they'll write. They'll keep them up to date. Then they'll ask, what's happening over there? What can we pray about? And no one else knows. I like to suggest that Barnabas had a heart of humility, a heart of brokenness, a heart that was willing to just do whatever it took. But if he needed to be second or third, he was willing to be second or third. He didn't need to be the lead. Barnabas was one of those that brought Paul along. For many years, he brought Paul along beside him. He said, come, come, come. Later, 
Paul went, come, come, come to Barnabas. Consider Barnabas. He was a God-fearing man. And you and I can be men and women just like him. May the Lord help us to be men. Lord bless you.